Welcome to a special edition of FinTech Insiders. I'm Sam Mall, of course. I'm hosting the show today from lovely San Diego, where I've spent an exact, I think, like three, four hours. And I'm about to get on a red eye to like middle America. I'm so thrilled. I flew out to California because I'm with my friends from Jack Henry. They did their annual conference. I actually love these guys, the two folks that are with me in the room. I have Lee Weatherington. He's a legend. And Lee and I spent one of the most romantic moments of our lives. <laughs> Sitting in Las Vegas, remember that? In front of the fountains. Watching the fountains go off as we discussed philosophy, religion, history. We got very close. What a great night. In that moment. And and equally just as close to me is Ben Mertz. Hello, Ben. Hi, Sam. (laughs) The six foot seven legendary coding tattooed Tibetan scarf wearing farmer from Iowa. What is your role at Jack Henry, Ben? Uh, I lead digital strategy at Jack Henry, and then I also lead uh, the Bano team. Um, yeah, let's let's talk about Bano before we even jump into Jack yeah. Henry, because we will talk about who Jack Henry is. But I think that's important. And talk a little bit how how did you actually come to work at Bano for one? Well, my good friend Wade Arnold, uh, I met him via mutual investor. I was at another startup, and uh, and Wade and I were were running into each other at, at the Delta lounges. Um, we were both traveling a lot, and um, he kept pitching me on this idea of building an open banking platform. And what time was this? What 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 so it had been date? nine and a half years ago? Okay. And at the time, the idea of building an open banking platform was really a dumb idea, but we didn't really know that at the time. And so I decided to join up with him and um, attempt to build such a thing. So that was nine and a half years ago. And successfully built the thing. Bano was actually sold to Jack Henry. Five and a half years ago, we were acquired by Jack Henry, and we just quietly kept persisting on building an open banking platform. So what you're going to find out throughout this episode for all of you in Europe, um, there are companies here in the U.S. that are kicking ass, Bano being one of them within Jack Henry. And I think by the end of this episode, you all come to that realization that there really is a lot of tech talent. And in Ben's case, Iowa, right? Mm -hmm. What part of Iowa do you live in? I live in Cedar Falls. Cedar Falls. So yeah. no one in Europe knows what I'm talking about. But we will point this out on a map. I technically live in a cornfield in a barn, literally in a barn. And you bought a truck lately. Yeah, I'm very proud truck. of you. Yeah. Yes. He's the most unfarmer looking farmer <laughs> that you've ever seen in your life. While Lee does look like a farmer. Lee, how did you guys <laughs> Lee is actually a farmer. I'm, yeah, actually a farmer. I'm not a technically farm. a farmer. Yeah. How, Lee, how did you come to work with Jack Henry? So I was with a company called Goldleaf Financial Solutions that grew out of the back room of a community bank in Hayhara, Georgia. My father was president of that bank and was a a really forward-thinking person who knew nothing about technology but was desperately curious and always eager to seek out conversations with people who really knew what they were doing. And... um, one of those persons uh, that he sought out was a guy named David Peterson, and I'll, sp- I'll spare you the long story, but he uh, was successful in recruiting David Peterson to come to that little tiny community, ba- community bank in that one red light town. And within a few months, in the, in the back room of that community bank, David Peterson started solving payments problems with payments files and realized very quickly that uh, these problems he was solving were problems that were happening in the back rooms of banks all across the country, and thereby sort of generated a new startup. We would call it a payments fintech today, but back then we didn't use that language. 
and that was the birth of Goldleaf in around 1989. I joined in uh, the company in 1994. It grew through several M&As into about an $80 million publicly traded company that Jack Henry acquired in 2009. So I've been in, at Jack Henry now for about a decade. And I want to jump in really quickly and just say it's one of the things I really like about Lee is that it, it, he's got these pretty deep roots in the community banking infra- uh, sort of ecosystem um, with your dad, you know, um, so you really get it. You have some skin in the game. You've got some sort of gene level skin in the game that yeah. I really like. Yeah, thanks. And, and for our European audience, this is a very American show today. Right. Um, can you, can you kind of describe what a community bank is, just so we can kind of level set a little bit? How would you describe that, Lee? Yeah, so um, a community bank is just that. It's really a financial institution that serves a relatively narrow geography with a very specific market demographic. And so um, in the instance of commercial banking company or CBC, this little community bank that my dad um, was president of for a number of years, um, you know, they served everybody. They served, uh, they served, you know, retail. They served uh, businesses, and they served uh, the agricultural community. And in fact, I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and mention this here to get this on record. I think for the first time in a public forum. But um, the reason why Goldleaf was called Goldleaf was because Hayhira was a tobacco uh, producing area, and so the bank uh, financed tobacco farmers uh, around the area. The local newspaper was called the Gold Leaf. Uh, there was a little apartment building there called the Gold Leaf Apartments, et cetera, et cetera. And that's where Gold Leaf, uh, the company, uh, Gold Leaf Financial Services, uh, Financial Solutions rather, got its name originally. We did not, we knew better than to actually make that connection publicly just because, you know, tobacco, merchants of death, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but that's where Gold Leaf got its name. So um, it's very much tied specifically to that particular community being served by that particular little bank in that one red light town. So if you look at a map, uh, if you find the state of Georgia, so just look for Atlanta. So we're talking the south. Go literally just about the middle of the state and go south. South, yeah. So um, Hayhira is outside of Aldosta, Georgia, yeah. which is a decent-sized town. And the interesting thing about Georgia, for those uh, that don't know it, um, when the financial crash happened in 2008, um, Georgia got absolutely eaten up with bank closures because – and this is personal to me. I, I lived around that area. Um, there were so many community banks that were tied in when it came to the real estate, when it came to building, right. when it came to construction, that were giving out loans and building that. And Georgia, I think, was either first or second in the number of bank yeah, closures. Yeah, it in the was US. a bad. It was a bad scene for sure. Yeah, so it's something that that is near and dear, I think, to each of us um, in this room in our heart is we never repeat the mistakes of two thousand and eight. Right. Right. And yeah, then the solutions we're building address that. So let's talk a little bit about Jack Henry. This is going to be our first segment. We call this Jack Who. I'm very creative when it comes to these titles. <laughs> so there's definitely been a um, uh, a lot going on in the U.S. when it comes to acquisitions, when it comes to mergers. So you look, you know, you look at Fiserv and FIS, you look at, um, you know, really across um, what's happening with TSIS, right? Um, when you look at BB&T and SunTrust. So, I mean, even, you know, very central within the state of Georgia, right? I mean, Atlanta is a hub when it comes to a lot of those companies. So there's been quite a bit of acquisition going on when it comes to the legacy core providers in the U.S. So um, just for our listeners, um, both in the U.S. and overseas, when we're talking about bank core processors, uh, largest in the U.S. is Fiserv. They got about 37% market share, I think. 
But then I think surprisingly to a lot of people, Jack Henry's second in the U.S. So Jack Henry runs at around almost 18% of the market falls under Jack Henry. And I think it is highly concentrated within credit unions and community banks. Is that correct? Correct, correct. yeah. Um, and then after that, you get FIS and then a series of other players that are there. So when it comes to customers, I want to say you all have literally thousands of correct. banking and credit union customers. Yeah, that's right. About 9,000 altogether. Right. Think about that. 9,000 institutions. So from a European standpoint, when you hear that number, that's got to be staggering. Right. Right. I mean, in the U.S., we've got a lot. Between credit unions and banks, we're still running, Lord, I don't know. Um, we're, we're at an all-time low, I think, in banks right now since Correct. like the Depression, since 1936. But still, I think there's close to 7,000 credit unions in right. the U.S., around four or 5,000 banks, all the way from the scale of a city and a bank of America all down to community banks. And so there's this legacy side of this house that you're providing. But then, Ben, sitting on top of that legacy core, you've got Bano. So can you talk a little about exactly, let's talk about what Bano does for your customers. Well, man, that's a big question. Um, originally, when we were a fintech, when we were a startup, we really wanted to build an open banking platform. Uh, it wasn't a good idea nine and a half years ago, um, and you couldn't find one. Uh, the barrier to entry into any of the, what I called at that time, to be really sort of careful and clear, I called uh, Jack Henry FIS and, and Foster the three black boxes because it was very difficult to get in. Um, and the barrier to entry was pretty high. The lowest barrier to, en to, to entry was really Jack Henry. So that's kind of where we got our foothold. And then we, we were really, we really thought, you know, why, why can't somebody solve this um, problem? Why can't, you know, we build um, new innovative technology on top of these systems? Um, that was a very ignorant and um, naive question. Um, but um, that was nine and a half years ago. We built a lot of things as a startup. We built an aggregation engine. We built an ad engine. We built a content management system. We built a switch kit. Uh, you, you can start to see we were searching for things that would work. <laughs> um, and then what happened was we had kind of built, cobbled together this platform and, and we, we ran into some executives at Jack Henry and we pitched our switch kit. And um, they said, uh, we, we, we really don't care about your switch kit. Um, can you build mobile banking? And I thought, well, well, that's not that hard. We could certainly do that. And we, we, we built um, uh, an Android app and an, and an iOS app. We built mobile banking in about a month, month and a half. And we took it to Finnovate. Um, so that was kind of the advent of what now we've become. You fast forward that um, a few years and Jack Henry just flat acquired us. Um, and then that started the, the, the evolution of what we've been doing inside the company. Um, so that's the backdrop uh, to try to maybe answer your question a little more uh, succinctly. Um, as we got inside the company, um, you know, it, it, I, first of all, I got to give a lot of credit to the current executive team. Dave Foss is the CEO. Greg Adelson, who is now going to be our COO, um, they could really see what we were doing. I have to give them a ton of credit. And Mark Forbes, who's the CTO, um, he's actually about to retire, but we have to give him a lot of credit because he took us in and he said, "Okay, um, Vano's going to be the future of what Jack Henry does." Um, specifically on the internet and um, what we're going to do in digital. And they really um, took some steps to, to, to do something different in an acquisition. Quick um, stats. 
usual um, standard uh, attrition after two years for an acquisition is 70-80%. So if 70-80% um, of the people are going to leave an acquisition after two years, um, we're sitting at less than 1% attrition. And, and also on top of that, in the usually it's about two years span, right? Yep. In order to get all of your money out and everything else. Yeah. Usually spending that two years. That's called stay bonuses. Yeah. You're usually on top of the roof at Google planning what the next thing's going to yep. be. Yep. But the fact that you're able to keep that attrition so low just says so much about the team. That's correct. We we have a stunning team, um, uh, world-class engineering team. And um, we were at about 55 people when we were acquired. Um we, um, we are now at about 230. So it's not just that we kept our original engineering team, we also grew it. Um, so that's important to understand. The other thing that's important to understand is that Jack Henry really, and I gotta, I'm gonna say something that's probably difficult to say, um, but it was hard. It was hard on us and it was hard on Jack Henry. Um, and we went, we went through a ringer, it wasn't easy. Um, it's hard on them, hard on us, but we kept coming back to the table and saying, okay, let's, let's figure it out. Let's figure out how we um, innovate um, with this world-class technology stack that we had brought to the table. Um, and um, that, that, we just kept doing that, kept doing that, kept doing that. And that just really led to both us at Bano upgrading, right? Because we had to go past federal exams right? We had to go past those. That's, that's just table stakes. And then, so we had to upgrade our systems um, and our way of working. And then Jack Henry had to go upgrade what they were doing. So they had to be like, okay, um, everything you're doing is good. You can use Slack. You can use all the tooling. You can use everything you're doing. So they really protected us. It was really, uh, um, it's really impressive, honestly, when I look back at it. You know, that actually is, right? Because usually you just get to the, the simple stuff, right? Which is, hey, we want to use Slack. We want to use Trello. You know, my, my guys are going to be using a Mac. I live in Iowa, and I'm not leaving, right? I mean, yeah. where, where's your team primarily based out of? Are they pretty disparate? Yes, we are. We are. We are. We have a central office in, in Cedar Falls, Iowa, but um, we're largely distributed now throughout the country um, because we really... I mean, day one, just built a remote culture. That's pretty common amongst amongst a lot of startups. But um, we just we just we just got all in on a remote culture. So we're 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 about maybe forty percent concentrated in Iowa. How old is Jack Henry, Lee? How old is the company? So I think Jack Henry was founded in nineteen seventy six. If I'm yeah, uh, memory correct. serves, when I was two. When you were uh, two, year, two years old. Did you old have and tattoos when you were two? That's then? Tattoos. <laughs> I'm guessing you actually did have tattoos when you were two. <laughs> <laughs> you might think that's that. That's even funnier. Yeah, uh, probably that's true. an interesting backstory. That would be yeah. a rabbit hole for sure. That would be the next uh, podcast we do. Can I say, I want to uh, just tag on one thing here about who, Jack who. Jack, yeah. Jack Henry, who, who are they? Um, we are the only one of the three big, you know, quote-unquote legacy core providers who is all in 100% on community financial institutions in the United States. So we're talking FIS, Fiserv, Jack Henry. That's right. We are the only one who is all in. and Meaning we don't have a backup plan. Correct. We don't have a backup plan. If community financial institutions uh, don't survive, Jack Henry does not survive. So this is skin in the game. That's right. Um, and that, that's at the core of who we are. And not to get melodramatic, but 
um, you know, the why, you know, when you ask who Jack Henry is, that really gets to the why. And the why gets sort of to the who. We believe at our foundations that without community financial institutions, you don't have vibrant communities. And without vibrant communities, you don't have a country. This may be, again, a, an interesting concept for your global audience to kind of take in. But, but that, our domestic focus is also something that really sets us apart from There's something about this fabric that creates the U.S. economy that I, I don't think most people understand or know. Or, um, yeah, I was going to go there. I, I, we, we actually, at Money 2020 last year, we did a debate uh, between like Europe and the U.S. And on my team, I had Jill Castillo. So again, the CEO president of, I think it's Edmonds Bank in right. Edmonds, Oklahoma, one branch community bank. And on the other side, we had uh, Derek White, who at the time was still with BBVA, headed up digital where they had, I don't know, 11,000 branches. And I think what struck me was the passion that Jill brought to that debate around her community. I think that's very unique to the U.S. I really do. I haven't seen anything. I don't I know feel like co-ops. it exists anywhere else. Yeah, I know there's co-ops and, you know, especially Maybe like Germany, maybe Australia and very small sort of. I don't think anyone has it at the scale we have it in the U.S. I just don't think that exists. I think it's very unique to, to the U.S. And I think it's very unique to the fabric of our society, that, that, that concept of really needing those community banks and ensuring that doesn't fail. Right. I mean, we continue to see since the financial crash that the top four um, grow in deposit size. Right. That is a problem. Um, I mean, I, I, I love the top four. I'm not going to knock those banks. But, but you know, there, there is that. How do you compete against that? And actually on stage today, I love what you actually said, Ben, about, about competing against, say, that say the top 10 banks. Do you mind kind of circling in on what you said? Well, first of all, I don't think the world's a better place with just the large banks. Okay, so that's that's our mantra. I'm not saying I don't. I don't. I also, in the inverse, I don't want the world. I don't. I don't want the large banks to, to not exist. So it's not a detrimental statement. Um, I, I think that our communities are a better place with our community and financial institutions. Um, and what I was saying on stage is that we actually what we've done because of the acquisition of Jack Henry bringing us on the inside, we've been able to go basically work and innovate through the entire stack. I mean, I'm going to go on record as saying, saying something here that not a lot of people say, but most of the core operating systems for banking in the United States, at least, were built before the internet. Nobody wants to just go on record as saying that. They were built before the internet. So if they're built before the internet, um, that creates a huge sort of section of challenges um, and this is what I always explain to our engineers, like, listen, we're working with a set of leg- legacy systems that were built before the internet. Now, what are we going to do? Well, um, because we're on the inside, we can go sit down with these engineering teams and say, okay, we have to improve this. We actually can beat the large financial institutions on very specific KPIs. So um, in our case at Bano, we can, we can, uh, we can run um, a KPI from app launch to app usable in less than one second. That's a big deal. Um, for those of you in the audience, like just launch your app and just measure app launch to app usable. Go to the big banks and, and measure that. The good news with this audience, for once, Ben, they're all geeks. That's fantastic. So you, for what you're saying, you don't have to explain. <laughs> Usually when we're on stage together, we have to explain what that yeah, means. That's true. Thank you're you, talking Sam. to an audience that, that, that all just went, 
Ew. I mean, so you're okay. <laughs> so stay geeky. Keep your man bun. Right. Let's go. But stay in there. Stay All in right. So, so we sit down with the RPG programmers at Jack Henry, and we say, okay, uh, we got DB2. We got to figure out how to take these hot code paths and run them all the way back to the internet. And we got to do that fast. And we actually think we can beat uh, really any platform. And it's not just thinking anymore. We've done it. We beat them. Um, next KPI is app launch to actually viewing a transaction. It's shockingly long in any banking system that you can put on your phone. It's shockingly long. Take any big bank and just measure that. Um, that's a KPI, again, not in all of the um, sort of media or whatever, but those are the things we measure. Um, and not only are we measuring them, we're actually figuring out how do we keep making that faster. So, and the last thing is app launch to balance back to phone. So balance to phone, um, we're going to be less than three to four seconds. Um, and this is like serious, serious stuff. We, we know we can beat all the large financial institutions. So I'm, I'm curious, Lee, from your standpoint. So for those that don't know Lee, I've known Lee for way too long. And Lee's kind of like me. He, he likes to tell stories. We, we, we get on stage, we're known as storytellers. storytellers that's our, sure, yeah. that's our little that's our thing. spot in life, right? That's right. So it's, your, so it's part of your role to be that storyteller for Jack Henry. Right? Correct. When we're going That's out right. there and to take the highly complicated approach that Ben has to do right. and be able to explain that to crowds right. in language they can understand. Yes. Which that's what I love about you. You and I both enjoy that challenge. We do. Right? That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, do, do, does it sink in though? Do, do, when, you, when you talk to, when you go out and you're giving these presentations from your standpoint, do you think the executives, for example, at these community banks or at credit unions, because you have both, understand the urgency of what's in front of you? Yeah, they do, because what, in effect, Ben and the Bano team have done is, has, is that they have fixed uh, a 40 to 50-year problem in the application of technology to banking. And what I mean by that is you ask any community bank, you ask any credit union, whether you're talking about the community bank ethos or the credit union movement, um, they're both about relationship. They're about people helping people. That's literally the credit union uh, ethos. And so what, what is revolutionary about what Bano has been able to build, um, you know, especially and come out with and launch within the last two years, is the ability finally for community financial institutions to port their personal service inside of the digital channel. And not only do that, right? We think, okay, great. If you can do that, first of all, that's amazing. But, you know, secondly, um, do that in a way that is better than the golden era of person-to-person, face-to-face service in the, you know, analog world of branches. This is amazing because, and I'm glad you asked this question because what they've done in essence, if you think about it, um, you know, I talk a, a lot about the moment of need in, in the context of money. And that takes a lot of different shapes and forms, but it's basically the moment of need. You think about the context of the United States, 75% of the population say they're living paycheck to paycheck, which means there's no such thing as a small money problem. If they have a problem at all, if there's a balance doesn't look like what they expect it to be, if there's a transaction that shows up that they didn't expect, if there's a bill payment that was misrouted or mistimed, that feels like 
catastrophe. And that goes across income levels. That's not just That's exactly that's right. Exactly These right. there are people who are making well into the six figures yep. who say they're living paycheck to paycheck. Now we could have a separate argument about, you know, well that's their fault. Why aren't they managing their money better, etc. But the point is that the reality of money psychology in the United States is one of scarcity. That is, I'm living paycheck to paycheck, and so there's no such thing as a small money problem. And across the board, across age, across demographics, across income um, levels, et cetera, anytime anybody in the United States has a money problem, the only thing they want is to talk to a live person who can resolve their question, their problem, their challenge at the first point of contact. Now think about this. There's never been a moment of need crop up for a consumer inside a branch. So you think about the analog era. You have a moment of need, and now you've got to find your way to the branch or call into the branch, find the right person to talk to, et cetera. So time is elapsing, right? What Ben and this Bano team has done with something they've called conversations, which is basically this integrated, authenticated, immediately available conversation channel um, based on what you're seeing inside of the digital banking uh, uh, information that you see in your mobile apps and online, et cetera, is provide the average consumer the ability at the moment of need to have a real, live, local, personal conversation with someone who can resolve their moment of need. And by the way, they will see that face and they will recognize that face in the community because that's someone typically that they've seen or know from the branch. And so what, this is no small thing, Sam, that Bano has pulled off. This is the first time this is anything like this has been introduced into banking in the United States. Now, I, I, I know I'm, I may not, you know, I work for the same company that Ben does, et cetera. He's in, you know, driving and, and managing and building product, and I'm just the strategy guy. But this is a new era. This is an absolute new era, and the important thing about it is that it's not only given community financial institutions the ability to translate their true strategic differentiation in terms of personal service, but it's now actually placed that personal service at the moment of need in the digital channel. In other words, it's used technology not to dehumanize banking any further, but rather to make banking personal and meaningful in ways that it has never been before. It's better than it was before in the branch. And this is revolutionary. And I still don't think that most of the country understands, uh, and certainly community banking, the community banking e ecosystem truly understands um, the, the impact of what Bano has built. Yeah, that's something we, we, we harp on a lot at 11FS. We call it digital riches. Um, so the riches being an acronym. This is one of Jason Bates, one of our co-founders, favorite things they get up and talk about. And I love it. But it's, it's, it's talking about being real-time, being contextual, right? Being, getting to that personal level. That's right. And being able to, in the moment of need, and I think especially at a community bank or a credit union level, that, that's the superpower they have. You're right. Versus right. A, a bank with a national charter, right, or a super regional. It's, it's that you actually do know me and you understand the issues I'm going through and that the technology that you're building, Ben, actually augments or, or makes superheroes out of the staff that you have with them. That's right. Correct. That's exactly right. Yeah. It's That's hard. Yeah. It's it sounds better. so nice. It sounds so cool, but uh, it's, it's hard. taken us, it, it took us four years to build it. it like this is non-trivial. The, the challenges you have to tackle um, in this ecosystem, 
are very difficult to explain, explain in um, uh, short amounts of time. Um, but um, you have to get on the inside of community institutions who are trying to actually still compete on the dimension that they competed on in 1985. We have to figure out how we make that work in digital. And that's, you know, that's what we're doing. And this is not an either or thing, right? Yeah. A lot of times we put these things on bipolar um, sort of, you know, on off kind of switches where you've got to either use technology um, to dehumanize the channel um, or you've got to use technology to amplify the humanity. That is to bring the, the real people together at that moment of need. It's really both and. It's not either or. Um, and, and the language we use inside of Jack Henry uh, lately has been um, the mundane versus the meaningful. For everything that's mundane, you need to absolutely bring to bear all the, the greatest technology to make that self-service experience fast, quick, convenient, and frictionless. And, and that's, that's true. That will always be true. But the thing that you really differentiate on is the meaningful. You have to minimize the mundane to maximize the meaningful. And you can use that rubric in almost every aspect of financial services today and financial technology. Um, we're beginning to actually think about that in the terms of payments. Instead of thinking about all of these granular use, case and, use cases and payments, you know, P2P, B2B, income, uh, bill payment, et cetera. We're so t I grew up in pay you grew up in payments too, so we, we use this language. But really, we need to just talk about two basic UX categories, and that is the mundane and the meaningful. When it comes to the meaningful, you've, that's really where you've got to differentiate. And this is why, why also what Ben and the Bano team has built is so important, because as, we, as we're entering into, in the United States at least, um, the, uh, an environment of ubiquitous real time in payments. Um, you know, the, the tactical thing we're all thinking about is how do we fight fraud in real time payments, right? That's tactical. That's sta table stakes. Yeah, you got to have machine learning, you got to have AI, et cetera. The real question is are you going to be able to serve the victims of fraud in real time, right? the way they want to be served, which is to say personally. Again, they want to talk to the person who can resolve the problem uh, at the first point of contact. Um, so that's on the meaningful side. On the mundane side, all these transactions you're doing throughout the month that in and of themselves individually are not that important, they're mundane. When you're looking back, in aggregate, we've got to make meaning of the mundane. This is why we want, this with our GZO acquisition, we feel like we are ending the era of bolt-on PFM. Can you talk about, about, about GZO a little bit? What yeah, is GZO, that? When did you acquire them? In July of this year, 2019, we acquired GZO. They're a personal financial management or PFM provider in the United States. They've been around for a while. And um, we've had a longstanding relationship with them. We sort of tightened that partnership with GZO two years ago as a preferred um, provider. And then we acquired them in July. And what we feel uh, at Jack Henry is that in the context of a country where 75% of the population is living paycheck to paycheck, we want to democratize financial management capabilities. They should be native and organically integrated into what is digital banking. So I'm going to say uh, uh, something I probably shouldn't say, but I don't really care because I've had like four glasses of wine. Poor, poor Lee, more wine. So like, it's <laughs> That'll work. Would, ben, will you do that? It's wine? down by your is feet. Is it gone? Yeah, this is very important. Oh, poor no, him more wine because it gets already. better when he's drunk. <laughs> so this is true. PFM, right, is just a crappy topic. In it the is. Because PFM adoption, when it's standalone, is really low. I mean, it's like 5 to maybe 10%, if you're lucky. Yeah, my glasses over there. 
Forked pill. There we go. We're drinking, people. What a shocker. But but honestly, PFM adoption, right? Right. Has never been great. But no. I like what you guys did. You acquired you acquired the company in June. When did you actually have it integrated into your consumer side of the place on Banna? In August. Yeah, so we're talking two months. Let that sink in. Every time, and I get annoyed a little bit because, um, especially when we're in the fintech side, we tend to get on our high horse. We look at core processors and the folks and say they can't innovate. Within two months, you had them integrated, not as a little button that you jumped over to the PFM tool, within the, the transactional experience. One of the things we're thinking really hard about is that we want to acquire companies that have been open by default. I'm going to repeat that statement, open by default. So GZO was such a company. Um, also Bolts, who we acquired last year, uh, open and API enabled by default. Um, so and this tell is, them what Bolts is. Tell them what That Bolts would be does. digital deposit account opening for right. both retail and business. Um, so we're looking... We're, when we say we want to build an open banking platform, um, we do acquisitions that applies. So um, we're looking at that um, really, really, really closely. So when we when we look at Gizio, like if we if we make this really simple, I'm I'm really thankful you're helping me understand. We have a geek audience, but I generally spend my time talking to bankers, and the way I describe it to bankers is that because we're open and we, we acquire companies that are open, we lower the barrier of innovation. Effectively, we lower the, bar- the, the amount of time it takes to integrate these things. It's really simple. We just collapse time. Ben, you tattooed Tibetan monk wearing scarf, six foot seven giant man bun person of, that you are. One of the things that you talked about is the fact that with Bano, you're 100% API enabled. Dive into that. Here's here's what I like to say. If you've got, I don't care, a bank, a, a vendor, um, just simply ask them. There, if, if they have applications, what percentage of their open platform do they use from their own applications? That's a really simple question. Um, Eating your own dog food. Right? That's correct. Um, so um, we we drank that Kool Aid a long time ago, like nine and a half years ago. Um, we've been eating our own dog, our own dog food for for the entire time. Um, so everything we can do in Bano can be done by somebody else. Everything, without exception, and that means every integration. That means Zelle in the United States. That means every payments ecosystem we integrate with. That means every third party we integrate to. Everything ends up in our platform. Period. End of story. And what's this, can I just jump in? No here? back doors. Right, no back doors. What's extraordinary about this to think about is that this is when he says he says a hundred percent API enabled, he's not just talking about the front end, right? He's talking about the back end. Uh, this is a really important and thing. And that understanding this is like the that unsexy is part of banking. The exactly. unsexy part of banking and this the is, unsexy part of banking is everything. By the way, in order for you to <laughs> Yeah, but let's be real. Yeah, in order to survive, because we talk about we talk about, and, okay. and it's a big deal, we talk about big tech, right, and the advantages they have, right, not having that legacy platform and everything. But the unsexy part is the sexiest part. I'm saying that as a 53-year-old white male who's, like, <laughs> balding and got a paunch. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think it's the most meaningful part, Yes, actually. So no one, no one in this ecosystem wants to talk about back office. That's the sort of generalized term in the U.S. Um, we actually opened up our entire back office suite 
our entire back office platform. Um, it's all API enabled. We built all of our applications um, uh, um, effectively uh, utilize the same API. So all that's open as well. We don't think anybody has even thought of that. This is a difficult phenomenon to explain in the, U- the U.S., but um, back office applications have been um, traditionally and historically um, ignored by nearly everyone working in this dimension. And um, it's unsexy. It's not cool. It's not. It's 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 uh, nobody understands that dimension at all. But if you talk to a community bank um, or any community financial institution, they will all perk up the second you say, "How many applications does it take to support a customer who calls you?" The answer usually is too many. It's more than nine. Sometimes it's as many as 16, 17. So we're just going to jump in there and fix that problem. And you already have. Yeah. I mean, yeah. To a large extent, uh, this is a, it's a difficult problem to go in, in, in and solve. Um, but again, we're just going to open up everything. Everything's going to be open. Um, we have to allow people like me nine and a half years ago we have to allow people like me to come in and innovate on their behalf. Um, and we've got to make that door, that, that access door easy. So Sam, can I jump in here? Because the, I, I want to talk about what this means strategically when he says 100% API enabled back end and front end. It's important to understand that because Bano has collapsed the time to resolution for the moment of need, right? That the thing that governs now both the speed and the quality of being able to resolve that moment of need is completely contingent on how efficient the financial institution's side of resolving that moment of need is. So if you have to log in to six, seven, 10, 16 different systems, to try to get one moment of need resolved, there's uh, that you're obviously now adding to the time that elapses. So what he's what he's done and what Bano has built out um, on the back end that it, that it's 100% enabled has allowed um, that back end to to basically uh, uh, aggregate all of the different um, endpoint solution systems necessary to resolve one moment of need at the moment that it happens and that it comes in now through this conversational channel in digital. That's a huge thing. And that's how the back end, what the back end can do relative to the front end UX um, is connected. So- I'm gonna I'm gonna try to take a big rabbit trail. I'm gonna push on this. If you're in the United States and you're a fintech, you're a startup, you're just like me 10 years ago, me and Wade. Uh, trying to figure out what we're going to build. That's Wade Arnold, who's now a mountain man. He's got the beard bigger than anybody. He's got a knee replacement. Yeah, eight houses, a little jet, and a BMX bike company. That's another whole (laughs) rabbit trail. Love you, Wade. Hey, Wade, we love you. Recover well, buddy. Hugs and kisses, Wade. So if if you're in this ecosystem, um, effectively, we have to help you um, compete. So if we can help build an ecosystem where okay let me let me say it this way if you go if you go do a deal with a fintech you have a net new back office problem and you have now a new application that you have to go build integration to in order to support your customers and so we want to solve that 
We're going to solve that once and for all. And we solve that with Bano support, Bano conversations, and the API that enables all of that. It's a very difficult thing to try to lay out, but effectively, the ability for financial institutions to support their customer while, while engaging the rest of what fintech can offer, that's a magic uh, incantation that's not possible currently by anybody that I can go find. So we're trying to solve that problem. We have to let these financial institutions service their customers while accessing the innovation that fintechs provide. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to the elephant in the room now because I'm, I'm everybody in the UK or Europe or take your pick, right, who looks at the US and says, yeah, you guys are 10 years behind. And we are. I mean, it, it drives me nuts, yeah. right? I mean, we, we know That's we true. are, right? I mean, it's we can't get out of our own way. I say that a lot. When it comes to the regulatory side, when it comes to politics, when it comes to our banking ecosystem, the fact that we do chip and sig, what the hell? Every time I go there, I just get mad. Um, so, I and I know this because I've seen it. I've sat in the room. I've seen what you've done with Bano, right? And I've seen, I've, I've watched it. I've seen the number of implementations, the number of features you're cranking out each month. But Lee, you've said this at the end of the day with with a lot of the core providers and even in-house. I don't care. You're an in-house top three bank in the world. You've got a core infrastructure which dates back to the 80s. How do you compete when we are looking at an influx of, we'll say, challenger banks coming from Europe over to the U.S. or, God forbid, Amazon does finally decide they want to pull the trigger and become a bank? I'm going to jump are, in. Are you worried about that? I knew you were going to jump in. I'm looking so, right at you. <laughs> Tall bastard. Uh, okay. <laughs> so this core system that we're building on top of has 40 years of examinations and audits. Good answer. Welcome to the real world in the United States. Mm-hmm. So every fintech Wait a minute, circle back on that. That's a huge statement. Yeah. All right. I mean, it really is. I think we ignore that too much. I don't think the rest of the world understands the adversity to risk. Correct. That we have in the U.S., especially after 2008, especially the regulatory environment, the political environment, the social um, component of this. That's a big deal. Yeah. Correct. So here, the, one, of the, the, one of the intuitions I like to try to build here is, do you, do you want to go rewrite the air traffic control system? Do you want to go rewrite the stoplights that we see out here? You want to rewrite that system? There are some systems that I think just need to be internet enabled for lack of a, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I know we've got a geek audience, but like we just have to build the internet side of those systems. That's the way I am approaching it because uh, what Jack Henry has built and they've been very careful and they've been very conservative and that's fantastic because they don't have 13, 14, 15 core systems. They've just got like one on the banking side and one on the credit union side effectively when it comes to integration. Okay, so that uh, that enables us to make a few leaps and basically build the internet side of that platform, and that's what we're doing, um, and and that's a big deal because um, I, I I'm friends with a lot of fintechs, I'm friends with CEOs of startups, um, and uh, if you haven't been through a federal audit, like you know, like let's talk. Yeah, and for those of you, this is a podcast, so you can't see this. But I'm just going to set the scene, and then we're going to wrap this up. I love Ben. 
So Ben literally is like, I don't know how tall you are. Me, Lee and I are short. We're short, We're short white short guys people. from the South. Ben's like six foot, God, I don't know, six foot six, man bun, beard, tattoos, incredible backstory. Oh, my God, I love it. Lives on this siloed farm in there. He's everything that you would want when it comes to the fintech side of the world, right? We would all geek out. Would you not say he's one in a million? Yeah, if you were to actually like do a Simpsons cartoon of what a fintech CTO would look like. Yeah. It would yeah. look like Ben. Yeah. And if you looked at it, bank executives, it'd be <laughs> Lee and I. That's yeah. really sad. That's sad. But very We are accurate, sad people saying. Right? So I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and state this. If you don't think that innovation is happening in the U.S. with these, these large-scale core process providers, you're wrong. They're, they're not ignorant. They're not ignoring this. And it's just not Jack Henry. Right? I mean, all the companies are moving forward on this. They're aware of it. There's a lot of issues that we're facing. We know that. Um, we also know that we're easily a decade behind when it comes to, you know, Singapore, when it comes to Hong sure. Kong. When it comes to payments, we know that um, we're a different beast here. We're also still the largest, world's largest GDP. Yep. I mean, congratulations, China. I know it's coming, but we're still today, we still are. If we could get out of our own way, and we'll see what happens over the next five to ten years. It'll be interesting. All right, we could go all night. But we're running out of wine, so I think this is a good time to wrap up. Um, Lee, what's the best place to go and learn more about you for our listening audience? Uh, that's a really interesting question that I've never had posed uh, before. I have I, I have a, a little HubSpot website out there that tells people sort of where I'm going to be, what I'm speaking on. I deliver a lot of speeches at conferences. I know you and I are interested in making sure that we introduce new personalities into these stayed conference rings that we circulate in in the United States, but uh, um, you can just Google my name, Lee Weatherington, and you will find um, that, uh, my little site. Um, regularly, I, I write every once in a while, and I um, speak a lot, and, um, you know, so I'm easy, I'm easy to find, and there are quite illicit videos of me published on the internet um, uh, that go back an embarrassingly long number of years. But uh, yeah, so yeah, Lee Weatherington, you can just Google me and that's, you know. Easily one of the best storytellers, Thank in, you. in my opinion. Thank you, Sam. I um, agree with on, that. On the circuit. All right, Ben, this ought to be interesting. Where's the best place to learn more about that's Ben? Fair. It's impossible. I, I'm not, I'm not, a, a, yeah, I, I'm not, I, I don't engage in much social media. Uh, Mets Ben on Twitter. I'm really not there. I don't. I don't really engage there. I spend most of my time reading and um, hacking and working. So um, I don't. I don't really engage on any of those channels. Um, but you can find me on LinkedIn, um, and you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Mets Ben. But I probably won't respond within thirty or. I don't know, 60, 90 30, days. 30 years. Yeah. yeah. Basically, yeah, what, be, what's going to happen. It'll be very latent. <laughs> yeah, for those, of, for those of our listeners that know 11FS well, if you took Ewan, our CTO, and you said, all right, I'm going to make him, and I'm going to put him in the Midwest of the U.S. I'm going to make him a touch younger, same height. <laughs> I'm a bit of a monk. They're exactly alike. Oh, my God. If I could get Ewan in the room with Ben, we, it, it, we just... It, It'd be incredible. It would, it would be. be. It would be. It would be. Yeah. Oh my God! I, I, that's going to happen. All right, folks. As, as for me, Sam Mall. I mean, oh my God! If you don't know me by now, I give up. 
So what did you think of today's episode? I think it was freaking fantastic. It was probably the wine. Let us know on Twitter at Fintech Insiders or email podcast 11fs.com. Don't forget, if you love the show, be sure to leave us a review. Five stars. If you're not going to leave us a five-star review, don't leave a review. That's, that's my rules. That's how this works. Find us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Periscope for more content, including Fintech Insider on air and our new show, Showcasing Pulse Home Screen. Thank you for listening.